Hello. Hey. I am Alex. I am Val. And we are in at the end. A podcast about the Sopranos. Yeah, we talk about Sopranos. We're here again. Eighth episode of season five, Marco Polo. Yeah. Michael Imperioli's last written episode. That's so sad. It is, yeah. We'll still see him as Christopher, though, so it's okay. Yeah. I like when characters who write or direct episodes appear in those episodes. Right. Like we had some good Steve Buscemi last episode. Right. Who directed. Just showing up for like a second as yeah, he's directing he was the episode. in nothing. In this one, we have Christopher like at the barbecue. Right. Yeah. That, that's it. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and his mom getting wasted, I guess. Right. We see more of Christopher's mom than Christopher. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so yeah, so I always find that interesting. Like, I can't imagine being a writer or a director and like having to put myself in those moments. It's really funny. Right. Totally. But yeah, this episode's called Marco Polo. It is called Marco Polo. And the biggest development that happens in this episode for the entirety of The Sopranos is Carmela and Tony kind of having this moment of getting back together. So Are I mean, they back together? Well, at this point, it's no. But they do get together oh, I to see. use some, you know. Some really cool innuendo. <laughs> to use some very cool innuendos. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, yeah, that is big. Why do you think this episode is called Marco Polo? That's a great question. I mean, obviously, they are playing the game of Marco Polo is one. I mean, in the mm-hmm. most, like, literal basic sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's, like, like a lot of Michael Imperioli's episodes, there's talk about what it means to be Italian. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Marco Polo being an Italian explorer. Right. Yeah. And a famous Italian who, I don't know what he did, really. He uh, discovered lands. He did stuff with the cons. Um, this is, seems to be <laughs> informed greatly by watching two episodes of Marco Polo on uh, Netflix before giving up. Oh, shoot. I don't think I even watched those. He was in Venice. Then he went to the Orient, <laughs> as they used to call us. Right. <laughs> that sounds about right. He wrote okay. books. He wrote diaries of his exploits and his travels that then were read at later days, which gave insight into the cons. The silk trade? The Silk Road. Silk Road. Clearly, this is not something that we should be discussing on our podcast, yeah. as we are not experts. But but I but I would I wish I did know more about Marco right. Polo because I do think that there is a sense in this episode of characters kind of like trying to explore new territory, mm-hmm. and some of them doing it more successfully than others. Like, I think Carmela kind of puts herself out there to try to have this. Um, party in this moment without Tony there like she's kind of taking a step forward this is the first time that that would have been a thing that Tony wouldn't have been there at this party and so she's kind of like trying to move forward yeah but there are these things that are holding her back and her parents both of them are holding her back mostly in this episode yeah um yeah, and then I think it just like generally ties into the like I said the conversation about Italianness in this episode with the Figolis, mm-hmm. Doctor Figoli and his wife, and these like different types of Italian people. Right. Yeah. Totally. Um, I guess I'm just trying to think of the people who are actually playing Marco Polo. I guess it's Artie at first, and then we have Carmela, but they're both like blind characters, kind of like searching for someone to. Mm. 
Um, I'm just thinking of like all of the connotations of the title because it definitely does seem more than just the fact that they're playing a silly water game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe even like I'm trying to think about it in light of the conflict in this episode, right? With like the New York mob. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because we do like we see Johnny Sack briefly at the beginning of the episode yeah. with his Italian car. Yeah. Um, and then we have this, you know, kind of like ongoing conflict between yeah. Tony and uh, Phil Leotardo. Mm-hmm. We have some of the like other New York gang, right? With like Rusty and Lil Carmine and Angelo. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, yeah, I, I mean, I we, could stress. Yeah, we have Tony Blunt. Yeah, it, it is in a degree, but it's also getting into kind of the themes of what characters are doing in this episode. I mean, we do have Tony Blundetto having like a pretty major character change in this episode. Yeah. Starting off not wanting to be involved in this hit and changing his mind after the party and mm-hmm. his son is involved in stealing something from AJ because of his jealousy around the house. Yeah. So he is kind of like venturing into old territory, but also new territory for yep. him as a character for us. Yep. And he's also bringing in the New York mob by involving himself as a primarily New Jersey character, member of the New Jersey mob, and in a way that we haven't really seen before, where now somebody who is a part of Tony's kind of core circle is now being involved and actually doing something very consequential with the New York family. Yeah. So we can imagine that we're kind of in new territory there because it's involving and activating the New York mob against New Jersey, possibly, in a yeah. way. Yeah, although I don't think he is thinking about that. Yeah, no, of course not. Of course not. But you're right. I think there are a lot of characters who are um, experimenting with new territory or are in new territory. Yeah, like even, even Johnny like, Sack, like I was, you said, I was like going to say Angie Bompensiero. Yeah, Angie Bompensiero at the auto body shop, who's who's running things. Uh, Johnny Sack buying this car, and they're talking about while wow, you're spending like the boss. He's act. He's kind of filling in this, these new shoes. Mm-hmm. He's acting in a new way. It is it is interesting. Um, there were some other things that I was thinking about too, like people maybe being discontent with where they are as people as well. Um, there was a couple examples. Was Marco Polo discontent with where he was? <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I mean, why else would he leave Venice and right. go see the... right. Yeah, we know so much about Marco Polo. <laughs> this is good that this is like the focal point of the episode. Yeah. Yeah, let's just structure it around a very vague, <laughs> probably extremely yeah. historically inaccurate um, yeah, like recollection maybe, of maybe he's an not Italian even explorer. Italian. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he was in Venice, according to a show. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, we apologize to all of the Marco Polo experts. Well, it is interesting. Just sorry, just before you go on <laughs> to, to not talk about this because we are going a little far with it. Um, it's interesting with this Michael Michael Imperioli episode that we have an episode Christopher, which yeah. is like Christopher Columbus. Yeah, and then we have Marco right. Polo. Exactly. So all of the episodes that Chris that <laughs> that Christopher that Michael Imperioli wrote were from Where to Eternity, Telltale Musadel. Christopher, Everybody Hurts, and now Marco Polo. Okay. And that's it. Those are his contributions to The Sopranos as a, a writer. It's quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. That is uh, that is definitely quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, sorry. Anyway. Just the, the Christopher Columbus, Marco Polo. I don't know. Yeah. You know. Yes. Those Something two. to think about. Something to think <laughs> about. And that is a moment of consequence in the episode around that game. You know, everybody yeah. kind of leaves. Who does Carmela find? She finds Tony. Mm-hmm. And then we're in this moment um, where they do kind of get back together. 
I think you saved that for us just now. I saved it? Yeah, that was good. Okay, let's move on. Let's never talk about Marco Polo again. That was very dangerous territory. Yeah, good. And so, okay, so what are your reflections then in terms of the two of them getting together in this episode? Yeah, I mean, it is interesting, like, at the... it's when Carmela does kind of like put herself out there to be more independent. Mm-hmm. She refuses Tony's money. Yes. In this episode, right? Which I thought actually was multiple pretty... people refuse Tony's money in the in the um, episode. So does Tony Blundetto. Like that was actually something that I think was kind of isolating Tony as well in this episode. That yeah. probably maybe pushed him to act in certain mm-hmm. ways throughout no, the episode exactly, because exactly. he can't assert himself and assert his power over others. Yeah. So. That so actually is there yeah. was a there was an overlap there or whatever like a tie in there for me with those two characters both refusing Tony's money. Yeah, I can't think of someone else who did. Did you have someone else who did? Those those ones okay. off the top of my head, but I think like you're but, right. Like I think that I also think, asserts like, power for those characters as yeah, well as a lack they are, of like, power for Tony. Yeah, and they're they're putting themselves out there, yeah. but it's like at that moment that Tony's actually like more drawn to them. Yes, or more like intrigued by them yes. or something like that. Like and. It's interesting because we were dealing with last episode in 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 Camelot um, with Tony kind of coming to terms with like being manipulated and like how his father might have been manipulated mm-hmm. before him. And so um, and like kind of drawn to like we had those comments made about like if you're with a powerful man, you have to mm-hmm. treat them like they're powerful kind of yeah. thing. Um, and those two characters are two that are kind of going against that. Christopher, mind you, does also go against Tony in that way. He's maybe one of the only other characters that right. does that. Yeah. But yeah, so I thought so I thought like that was interesting that it is at this moment where Carmela's kind of like she seems pretty good. I mean, she's really flustered about this party. Yeah. But you know, like she is capable of doing right. that by herself and she does do it by herself Tony, she completely Tony does shows it by herself. a lot later. of people show up to help and are useless i mean be it meadow be it tony blundette i yeah. mean meadow making a cake and basically just like stepping in making and doing something mess. that's not yeah. necessary making a mess showing up in her bathing suit tony blundetto um just dropping his kids off just dropping his kids off filming inappropriate things like tony's fat stomach carmella's butt <laughs> jake's um, but nobody's, I mean, her mom, who has kind of this alternate agenda, who's pushing her in a certain direction, her dad, actually, who has yeah. very strong opinions and is kind of showing his personality for the first time. Um, well, that stuff, so that it, it tied in for me, like, the power thing with Carmela, yeah. like, the whole thing about whose house it is, right? And they talk about, it, like, Hugh built this house. Yeah. Tony Blundetto is really jealous of the house. Hugh thanks Tony for having them over. Like, he's like, I won't be there if the man of the house isn't there, yeah. and then he thanks Tony like for having them, for hosting them at his right. home or whatever, yeah. right? So there is something about like homes as well for me, like mm. as this kind of symbol of power. Yeah. Um. And to think, and but yeah, like Hugh definitely tries to shift Carmela's actions, just like Mary does too. Yeah. Both in their own way. And I think for me, when I reflect upon Carmela and Tony getting together, I think in some ways it's Carmela probably acting out against her mother. Like there's like mm-hmm. a daughter, mother, mm-hmm. maybe daughter, father dynamic that she's trying to play into. Hugh really loves Tony mm-hmm. and her mother really hates Tony, but really loves and Russ and Lena Stagoli. Yeah. And she's calls her out for it. 
and is she she talks about being proud of her identity and how her mother can't accept that how her mother is one of these self-loathing Italians she comes up with this analysis for her so for me there's an aspect of her acting on that in a way that she can exercise her power is mm-hmm. to actually accept Tony's overtures yeah I don't know if she, like uh, it's hard to like read that moment in some ways like definitely she is resisting Tony at first um and I don't think she's like consciously like making a choice being like this is what I want to do. I think she kind of like gives kind into of, yeah. it. Um and he like he is kind of like, you know, powerful like he's pushed her up against this wall yeah. of the pool and he's like big and we you know we have that image of his big stomach earlier yeah. right like well and actually um, there's, there's a lot of focus on like tony's size throughout the episode even mm-hmm. like him having trouble getting into johnny sack's car yep. even then like referencing uh Ginny sack like mm-hmm. saying john johnny saying like it's because of her knees but like there's focus on body size yeah too and like tony does come across as this like large force yeah throughout the episode physically yeah um, and then, you know, I think, too, like, for Carmela seeing Tony at the grill like that, like, she is really drawn to him. And she says, mm-hmm. like, that would be the thing that she would miss at this party yeah. is if he weren't in the backyard manning the grill. Yeah. Um, and then that is when she kind of comes over to him and they have that beer. I mean, they get plastered. Right. I mean, everybody seems pretty plastered. It's, a, really, wakes up. it's a pretty fun 75th birthday party. <laughs> pretty impressive. Yeah. Hugh gets wasted, so, has to go home. Yeah. Artie wakes up on a chair, wearing a towel with, interestingly, like a towel around his face, kind of like like, like a, a turban sort of thing or something. Mm. I don't know. There was some, like, they were talking about Phil Leotardo looking like the Shah of Iran, too. you being racist. Some, well, no, I mean, I think they're being racist. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that there's some, like, weird kind of, like, racist overtones or something oh, that maybe was playing in. Anyway, without getting too into detail, there was, like, a few images and topics that came up that also meadow talking about um the justice system right and how it impacts uh people coming from arabic speaking countries yeah Yeah. anyway just another kind of bunch of stuff to throw in there yeah well they like like mike liberioli likes to deal with these issues of race and identity and stuff like that there's always some of that in his episodes but what was I saying? What, what were we saying about Carmela and Tony? You're talking about body size. Yeah, and the power of and the Tony power. over her. Yeah. Oh, and they got plastered. Right. So and they got plastered. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so they're definitely like you know she didn't have as much power even like when they threw her in the pool. Yeah. Right. Like Tony was able to basically like pick her up. Yeah. And toss her into the pool with, with AJ, AJ. You know. Mm-hmm. And then there's that scene where they high five and then. Ken ball in sync into yeah. the pool. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> sweet. Sick. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I think for my reading of that scene is kind of. Like it just kind of happens? It just kind of happens. I, I don't really, like, I, I like what you're saying about, like, it being a reaction to her mom I, and, and dad and stuff think, like that. Yeah, I think it just kind of happens, but this show deals with psychology on such a deep mm-hmm. level. There's this, like, Freudian aspect of, like, mm-hmm. those things are relevant, even mm-hmm. if they're not absolutely active. Absolutely. Like, they're just kind of, like, ruminating in the subconscious, and they would contribute to a decision like that or something. Mm-hmm. No, I think that I, you know, I wasn't really thinking about that, but I think that's really quite key to it. 
Um, but I think it is also this kind of like nostalgia, right? And it is like by like by Carmela putting herself out there and saying, I don't want you to come. Yeah. She kind of had to figure out where she stands on that, right? Like it was other people who were pressuring her to make a decision either way. Mm -hmm. And then she, you know, put herself out to make a decision mm -hmm. on one end of it. And I don't think it quite felt right to her, even though she stated it right I mean, and her so then mom was definitely guiding it in a certain direction. she certainly was and we get we you know we understand later in the episode that you know why what her mm -hmm. motivations were for it but then she was kind of swayed the other way by her dad being yeah. so upset right? yeah it's definitely an impossible situation yeah. like her mom and her dad are both coming down on her for on opposite sides for yeah. their own reasons and i think you know like the there's commentary to like you know the very beginning of the episode where they're in the hospital and Hugh's just fallen off the roof. Yeah. And Mary's like, you know, in some ways it's really good. Like, you've been spared that. Like, her worry <laughs> it's really and her. Messed up. It's really, it's not nice. Great. Um, yeah. Her, like, you know, to care that much about someone and see yeah. people get old and to worry about who dies first, you know. But then we have it later in the episode as well, where, you know, Hugh's giving his little speech. And, you know, he says, like, my bride, whatever, and kisses her on the mm -hmm. face. And Carmela and Tony are looking at each yeah. other, right? So there is this, like, we've been dealing with some morbid issues. Like, in the last episode, actually, like, in Camelot, right. too, we have the funeral of Nikolai and <laughs> someone else. It's okay. Else. We don't need to know those names. <laughs> Kinchetta, I think. Kinchetta. Yeah, good. Um, God damn it. And we have mentioned to them like having this lifelong relationship and they can't live without each other. Like that there is something about Carmela and Tony where they really like even though they're separated, like I don't know if they could really see their lives separated from each mm -hmm. other. And it kind of goes back to something we've talked about before, which is like never really being able to escape the soprano um I don't know, net or something yeah. like that, like this cloud that's kind of over them. But like, it's really impossible, I think, for either of them to see each other yeah. in that way. And there's another, Tony talks something about Carmela earlier in the episode too. Ugh, Tony's talking to Carmela? No, it? he's talking about, someone asked him about his wife. Oh, I'm not sure. Maybe that was last episode. Yeah. Ah, oh, shoot. Yeah. Anyways, um... We also have, like, I, I find it, I, I've been finding it interesting, and this is just not specifically about this episode, but I've been finding it interesting, Tony living in Livia's house and yeah. kind of the implication that that has on him because he's also really dealing with a lot of things about his own parents. Yeah. Just like Carmela's kind of interacting with her parents at this time, so. Definitely, yeah. yeah. It's like more present in his psyche or something like that, I right. think, like based on him living there. right. And he's also back in therapy, right? Right. So, and for a while, he hasn't been engaged in that. Yeah. So, I mean, he is being forced to confront that at a certain level through yeah. Melfi. Even though, like, the fact that we see Melfi so sporadically, so rarely, mm -hmm. it does indicate that it's not really that important right now. But it is still there. He's not in the no man's land of having no kind of moral inventory. Yeah. As we were talking about last episode. Yeah. Um, also, when you're talking about him living at Livia's house, like, we get a window into what his life is like right now. Yeah. And I think, like, the food in this show can represent different aspects of, um, well, a lot of things. They can symbolize where somebody's life is at, 
kind of what's going on. And I mean, we see Carmella walk in and we see Tony at home just waking up surrounded by Cool Whip, Burger King, Cheesy Poofs, <laughs> Cheese Puffs. <laughs> but there's something about that, like compared to what Carmella is able to provide mm-hmm. for the Soprano mm-hmm. home that's so far apart. And it, for me, kind of ties into Tony's stature and that focus on fatness yeah. that's happening right now. Like he's being a bit of a glutton. And he's just kind of excessively eating. He's out of control. There's no moderation and love and support and care Mm. coming towards Mm. him at this point. What about when he has the sausages around his neck? (laughs) Well, that's something that he's always done. The sausages are interesting because clearly it's important to him and Hugh. There's a scene, though, where it's nighttime. It switches to nighttime, and he's going around offering meats to everybody, and nobody wants it because mm. everybody's already ate too much. Mm-hmm. So, like, for me, that was another example. It's like excess. It's on it's top excess, of what yeah. Carmela's prepared and what it's kind of pointless. prepared. And, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's an example of another person at the party who's contributing, but actually not. It's actually yeah. not that helpful. So he joins the club of Meadow, Medi. Meadow, Tony Blundetto, all these people who are there ostensibly trying to help but really are making it harder for Carmela. Because Carmela is doing everything. Um, We even see Carmela like kind of like mixing flowers as if she's baking like as Meadow is at the pool. I think that is what that – or she's cleaning up Meadow's mess anyways. Yeah, exactly. So Carmela really is doing everything here and yet not really getting all of the credit. Even Tony is still getting credit. Totally. But what is he really contributing to this party? Yeah, I thought the other thing interesting about Carmela showing up at Tony's um, as well as the food staff was that she brought him the newspaper because mm. that's kind of like, you know, in a lot of our opening episodes of the seasons, we yeah. have Tony going down the driveway and interacting with the newspaper in some way, right? Like going right. to get this. And wasn't this the season where in the first episode it gets driven over by Meadow? I think so. I think so, yeah. So I thought that was interesting that she brings him in the newspaper, right? Like mm-hmm. that he – that – like his life is really kind of is is vastly different than what it used to be right and there yeah. and again like the concept of like where you live being meaningful or the house you live in being meaningful and kind of those routines that you have yeah um i thought that that kind of like her doing that was symbolic in some kind of way of like of representing that life that he used to have right Right. and then so then you see him when he's at the house he's like he's just behaving in the exact same way as he used to when he used to live there there's not like you know he stays late he's in the pool he's throwing Carmela in yeah so it's just this kind of like sense of familiarity and comfort right too which I thought was kind of interesting yeah interesting kind of like Marco Polo coming home to Italy to Italy. <laughs> or Christopher Columbus coming home to Spain. <laughs> um, during that moment that you're talking about, there's some interesting kind of like camera movement. Yeah, they're zooming in on their faces Yeah, so quite it's, a bit. they're still shots as they mm-hmm. get there. And then as soon as Carmela brings up this issue, there's these very slow zoom ins on both Carmela yep. and Tony. Yep. That for me kind of underscores the importance of this moment. Mm-hmm. They, the show constantly uses close-ups on people's faces to kind of indicate important moments, moments that are psychologically important for mm-hmm. the characters. And I think this is definitely one of them. And so, yeah, it's interesting as if they take, really take their time to zoom in, it really does kind of underline that this is an important interaction for me. Yeah, absolutely. In moment. Sorry, uh, we forgot to mention in people who aren't helping Carmela, mm-hmm. Finn. 
Finn is not very helpful. No. He's like, do you have a towel? <laughs> <laughs> Finn's great. Love it. Love him. Yeah. <laughs> Meadow is so grown up. <laughs> She's doing great. She's being a spoiled brat. Yeah, not her best episode. <laughs> <laughs> but she has such an intelligent conversation with Tony B. Right. <laughs> And he's kind of like being weird and like well, kind of like looking an, at her in a weird pervy way. Oh, and interesting! Then, I didn't get that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, there's something. Hmm. I was getting maybe like it's kind of his... because, because we watch Trees Lounge. I don't know. Right. I'm like confusing my Steve Buscemi's, <laughs> but I did get this like. Right. I don't know. It was like the way he looked at her when she got there, and the way mm. that she she kind of like taps him on the back, like she kind of treats him in this. But bit maybe of a that's also way. like he is missing Kelly, right? Because there's yeah. this discussion about that. I don't know. Yeah, but there, I don't know, there is this, like, weird, I don't know, at least for me, this mm-hmm. weird underlying sexual tension. Because then, like, when Tony comes over and she's sitting on his lap. Yeah. And he's, like, tickling her. Right, which is weird. It's weird. I thought I was watching Game of Thrones or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, there is something in that I was thinking about just, like, Tony Blundetto's kind of diction and choice of words. It's, he's kind of tr- trying to come across as intelligent and is intelligent mm-hmm. but it's like kind of too much mm-hmm. or something like the way he strings his sentences I think together is too much i don't know it's actually like more relaxed for me like mm. tony blandetto the way that it's written at least is it it seems very i don't know like it's coming from a book or something like it doesn't have the like mm. confidence and relaxed nature that some that like even <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna hate me on this, but Meadow does have something that's just like less kind of put on or something. I don't know. For me, for me, just the way that that he talks, it's it's interesting, and maybe it just it's great writing in that it indicates that this is a character who had to teach himself through books on his own, mm. and kind of writes in a like kind of like cla- sorry speaks in kind of like a classic English sort of way or something because he didn't get a quality education. I, I feel like that's how, but I feel like Meadows like quoting a university professor that she likes. See, for me, it's even more from Tony Blundetto in the really? scene where they're talking. It seems like more organic from Meadow. I think it's deliberate. I think it's yeah. written that way. But it's just something that I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because it makes sense. I mean, it would come out of Tony Blundetto's backstory. And it would come out of Meadow being a pretentious <laughs> Columbia <laughs> fuck. We're there. Meadow's, <laughs> Meadow's been decided on by Val. Val has a solid idea of Meadow. I know. I used to like Meadow. You used to like Meadow. I don't like her anymore. She goes through phases. Mm. I, I mean, at the end of season three, that's like, wow, Meadow, you're doing... You're doing great for Val. <laughs> Val and Meadow could be friends at the end of season three. No. No, not really. <laughs> they couldn't be friends. Sorry. No. Sorry, Meadow. I mean, Meadow, I, you know, yeah, whatever. I don't want to talk about Meadow. <laughs> she bothers me this viewing. All right. Let's talk about something else. I want to talk about <laughs> Junior. Yeah, why me does, too. Why did Junior do that? Well. Is he just jealous? Is he, like, just, like... Like going again, like I think there's a lot of ties with last episode. I mean, I think with, he's really Camelot. depressed. Right before he makes yeah. the call, he talks about what do we live for, and for yeah. me, him calling and ruining the surprise party in some ways is Actually, what he's he living says, for. Actually, he says what do we live for when he's on the phone with you. Oh, okay, so he's on the phone with you. But for me, like that kind of answers the question: What do we live for? Like he's just that's all he has right now. Yeah, is just kind of like taking other people down. Like it's a weird power yeah. dynamic in its own way. Yeah, where that gives him. A certain degree of control over mm-hmm. things that are important to other people. 
Yeah. No, I think it's interesting, like, that we hear, like, before he gets on that call, he's watching this Italian movie, but he can't make sense of it. Yeah. He's really sleepy all the time, and Bobby's like, but, like, that's actually not, he's like, because of the medication, he's like, that's not a side effect of the drug. Yeah. Like, it's not supposed to make you sleepy. And then he says to Hugh, like, his family keeps him sedated. Right. Um... I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Like, and then with last episode, too, with him crying at the funeral and stuff like that. No, he's not in a good place. He's really not in a good place. Yeah. He's in a really dark place. He's almost kind of becoming the, like, de facto Olivia character. And there's some interesting mm-hmm. things that happen where he says, it's surprise enough to wake up every morning. Yeah. Hugh then and repeats then Hugh that. Repeats it. yeah. It's surprise enough to wake up every morning. And the way the shots work is right after he says that, AJ kind of perks up. There's, like, a very quick shot on mm. AJ where that catches his attention. And we've talked before about the, like, Livia-AJ connection. Yeah. And I think that that's something that AJ is receptive to and is probably growing into. It, it almost seems like it is that, as Tony calls it, this, like, rancid, putrid fucking soprano gene mm-hmm. earlier on in the show. Mm-hmm. But there is this, like, propensity to depression and nihilism that AJ is kind of receptive to. And now Hugh is regurgitating coming from Junior. Yeah, it's interesting, like, the connection between Hugh and Junior. I mean, we've never known about this before. This is not, like... Yeah. But, you know, so maybe it's just kind of, like, a tool (laughs) in some ways. But I I imagine, so what it's telling me is that they're about the same age. Probably, yeah. Like, Junior's probably around 75 also. Yeah. And the difference between the lives of these two guys but they're friendly and that's part of it like mary is trying to separate herself separate herself and and kind of associate with these henry kissinger like doctors family but they grew up on arthur avenue mm, but yeah (laughs) which is a great place which is pretty cool we We, haven't been in a very long time we kind of want to move to arthur avenue yeah (laughs) um but uh but yeah then we have hugh who's very comfortable with tony and junior and is actually well, and comfortable with his heritage. Worker. he's a construction worker. Yeah. You know, and he's like, he's not pretentious. Right. Yeah. He's a bit of a chauvinist. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> he sure is. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. But Junior, yeah. I don't know. That was mean of Junior. I didn't like it. But yeah. I did. I mean, the actor who plays Hugh, I don't know his name, but his he had great faces in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> like, like his like his eyes really communicate emotion. Yeah, he in is a really good. interesting way. He's really good. Yeah, it was really great. Um, talking. Was there was also talking about like the relationship between men and women. I thought that that was kind of playing in like the relationship that Hugh has to his wife and to Tony and Carmela and the way that that's kind of passed down and the way that men interact with women and how there can be kind of like a power imbalance was playing mm-hmm. out in this episode. Like Tony happy after he gets off the phone with Angie Bompantero, she's in this shitty situation mm-hmm. that she can't win. But Tony kind of yells about some stuff and then turns off the phone and he smiles. Like he's happy to be in that position of control over her. And I think that plays into some of the other things that we've been talking about in this episode. Like, some of the male characters are happy when they can kind of exercise that control over women. And Carmela is kind of an example of somebody who's kind of powerless and kind of just being blown around a lot. I think one of the, I mean, I think you're understating the power imbalance between men and women pretty heavily, but I won't go into that too much. (laughs) But that's okay. No, I mean, But I think one of the things that in this episode that, like highlighted that for me was when Tony was in at the Bing, like looking through a book of strippers, right? Like of their yeah. like applications or yeah. whatever, like exactly, just kind yeah. of like flipping through these half yeah. naked or naked women, and 
Um, I thought that was a like Definitely. an interesting choice. Yeah, that's a good that's a good pickup. Like I think there's a lot that comes up in this episode that's sur- like kind of around that theme. Mm-hmm. That's kind of yeah, reinforcing that idea. Yeah, um, but we do have the character of Angie. Like even though she isn't in like a great. Um, position now yeah and you know she is like we we think you know first we think like she's taken over the auto body shop herself but then we see like actually pussy's brother is also there helping her and he actually sounds a lot like pussy they have the the voices of the characters are actually Hmm. quite familiar which is good but we do have her kind like she is kind of trying to take charge of her own life in some way she's still under tony's kind of thumb Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways I'm sure, you know, that she's paying money to well, them even, and stuff well, like no, that. Well, no, I mean, she even says, like, you know, it was really nice of you to give it to me, even with all the other business yeah. you do here. And then Tony's like, oh, and then, like, walks away. Yeah. So we actually don't get a window in other than Yeah, but we, we know that there's something. Yeah. But, you know, like, she is, like, she's come, she's a different character than she was when we last saw her selling mm-hmm. sausages at, at the supermarket. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Sausages. More sausages. <laughs> Um, how about the last scene? Tony Blundetto accepting. Yeah, accepting and carrying out the hit. So we see him once he's about to go do it, actually after the party, speaking of what characters are doing after, he's kind of stirring this orange Metamucil drink. Mm-hmm. So signifying death for me a little mm. bit, going into this, this orange juice that's actually Metamucil. So mm. I guess he needs fiber, but yeah. there's also death on its way. Um... Or it could be like Tang. Could be Tang. Like yeah. fake or But it's like that even plays into it. It's yeah. like he, he's having these like aspects of jealousy come out over the Sopranos' uh-huh. wealth and opulence. And yeah, it's like a cheaper version of the orange juice that we've seen signified at the Soprano house so many times yep. in the fridge. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's in, that's, I thought that was actually pretty cool. Um, yeah, and then there's like a lot of moments are after the hit – the car with Joey Peeps, like the way it goes forward and hits the car in front of it is exactly the same as the car going and Phil Leotardo's car earlier in the episode going forward and hitting the other mm-hmm. car. And in without time. giving away things, there's maybe even another hit coming up shortly in the season where there's another car that goes forward and hits another car. So there's, there's actually like a lot of that collision kind mm-hmm. of thing happening, mm-hmm. um, which was, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. Something that kind of, yeah. Some connective tissue between a bunch of different things happening. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he does a great job with this hit. No, it's not great. Um, Doesn't go great. He gets his foot run over. That's not good. It's not It's not great for him. No. But let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe things will actually go great for him. Um, what else? Anything else? What I, else? I had a few just, like, little things. Mm-hmm. Um... I was just thinking, again, I, I saw a lot of connection between last episode and this episode. I feel like they're kind of like a duo episode. Um, I thought it was interesting how in the beginning of the episode, Johnny Sachs says it was his dream to own a fine Italian sports car. <laughs> and it reminded me of last episode with JT and mm. his car. Mm. And when it was getting taken away by Chris, it was a BMW, I think. So it wasn't an Italian sports car. Right. But um, when Chris took his car away, he said right. that it was his dream car. Right. So I thought that was kind interesting. Of interesting. Yeah. Like who gets like, who are the people who win and and have these symbols of right of power, and who are the people who 
who lose in those scenarios. Yeah. And then I also like the way that Lil Carmine says that the painting in his new house is a trompe l'oil. <laughs> Great French. Yeah, he's amazing at French. Trompe l'oil. Trompe l'oil. Wow, what a cultured guy. Yeah, he's super cultured. He's great. Yeah. Um, I like the phone call between Carmela and Tony, um, where Carmela does kind of change her tune right. the day before. Well, she's asking him to come. Yeah, yeah, she's asking him to come. There's some interesting shading on both of their faces, kind of like black and white, sort of like we've talked about going all the way back to season one. Mm-hmm. There's like kind of like two sides to this issue, and we're not actually exactly sure how it's going to line up, but also just the two of them with on the phone, which has been another symbol that we've discussed. Yeah, about. well, we had a lot. Of, like, it was interesting with the phones in this episode too. Well, it, and just like, a lo- like when Carmela was doing this party, it was kind of she was kind of just like inundated with. There were phones ringing. There were timers going off on the food. The doorbell mm. was ringing incessantly. Like there yeah. was all these things kind of calling her. Yeah. Like Marco huh. Polo. Uh, yeah. Marco Polo just had too many phones. (laughs) No, like these things, like these things that you're like, that are calling, I don't know, these things that are calling you, right? They're like calling your attention. And the only one that she could actually go to is Tony. Yeah. That's the only thing that can actually like suck her in. Right. There's all these competing. Right. Things. But yeah, like there was a one, there was a couple moments in the episode where there's just like all this stimulus. Yeah. Totally. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, those are my stray observations. Are those your stray observations? Those are my stray observations. <laughs> well, we are progressing through season five. I know. Next we have season nine, episode nine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, five more episodes. <laughs> <laughs> that is the order of numbers. <laughs> yeah, I was, just, I was trying to count. Yeah, that's good. Well, we're almost there. Thank you yeah. for listening. Uh, we love doing this. We hope you love listening. Or at least like it. Or at least have moderate feelings about it. Yeah. Have mixed feelings. (laughs) I sometimes have mixed feelings about this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's how it goes. Yeah. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.